Today on In Room 411, to what extent is gender socially constructed and biologically constructed? Hey guys, it's Nellie. Hey guys, and Lila. Today we're talking about gender and where biology ends and society begins. I think gender is based on biology, but it's more socially constructed, like, um, it first came from biology, but, like, society continues to structure that foundation that biology gave it. Yeah, definitely. And I think before going into that, it's important to establish a difference between sex and gender, because they're definitely two different things, and it's good to know what is different between them before going on. Okay. What's your name? My name is Hardy Evel. Uh, what is gender? Um, what is this a quiz? Um, no. So, why, why do you have to ask me what gender is? What is gender to you? Like, what, what is gender? Like, sexual orientation at birth? Like, I don't know. Gen- gender is different from sex, but I always get the two mixed up. I don't really know. So, what's your name? Silas Abrams. Um, what is gender? Um, gender is, I think it's, like, how you perceive yourself to be, um, like, it doesn't matter how you're born, it's just what you think, like, what you believe you are and what you want to be. Um, my name is Miss Schubert, uh, Rachel Schubert, <laughs> I go by Miss Schubert here. I would define gender as the social conditioning one receives on the basis of one's biological sex. So, yeah, I think that's how I would define gender. What is sex and gender? And what's the difference? Is there a difference? What do you think, though? I think sex is more biological. Um, I looked it up, and Planned Parenthood says, quote, sex is a label, male or female, that you're assigned by a doctor at birth based on the genitals you're born with and the chromosomes you have. It goes on your birth certificate. Um, Gender is much more complex. It's a social and legal status and a set of expectations from society about behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts, end quote. What do you think about that, Lila? I definitely agree. I feel like sex is more of a set thing, the body parts that you're born with, and it's kind of difficult to change that. But gender is something that is more fluid and can be changed depending on how you feel or, you know, whatever is going on in your life at the time. Um, And I feel like someone can have the freedom to choose their gender. I don't think it should be something that is set at birth because if you're born a female and you identify more with things that are socially viewed as male you should be able to express that yeah i also think um that there's exceptions to being born male and female like there's people that are born with you know both the male and female parts um so it's like how do people with that sort of biology identify with themselves yeah definitely Um, One famous, like, theory about gender comes from Judith Butler, and she says, gender performativity is not a matter of choosing which gender one will be today. Performativity is a matter of reiterating or repeating norms through which one is constituted. I mean, she basically says gender is performative, but it's not to be confused with, like, performance. 
Um, I think gender is something that we don't necessarily have or are born with. It's like something we do. Sex is the chromosomes that uh, our body is born with at birth, usually like XX if you're a girl or a female or XY if you're a male. And yeah, there's like exceptions, but that's typically how sex in biology works. Yeah, I think also it's sex comes with the hormones that you're producing based on the chromosomes that you have. So people assigned female birth typically produce more estrogen um, and people that are assigned male at birth um, usually produce testosterone and people that have XX chromosomes or that are assigned female generally experience a menstrual cycle um, when they reach puberty, which is something that people that are born with XY chromosomes do not. Yeah, um, I think those hormones that you brought up um, also impact your feelings and moods. Like, we just talked to Miss Schubert from Room 413, and she was saying how people with menstrual cycles usually have different emotions over shorter periods of time, while people without menstrual cycles usually have more regulated feelings and emotions throughout, like, the course of a year. Yeah, and I think also the differences between people that are born female and born male kind of set up the framework and the expectations for gender. So if you're born female, there's a certain standard that society thinks that you have to follow. Um, And same thing with male. Yeah, totally. It's sort of like females also have like a wider range of emotions. And like, it's similar to how being emotional is deemed feminine and being emotionless is sort of deemed masculine. Yeah, there's so many different layers to what gender really is. And I think that the ideas on masculinity and femininity are so heavily influential and influenced by other outside forces like society and school and people's lives that they like things that are outside of their control kind of um, based on the community that they're surrounded in. Yeah, I think those outside factors really impact what gender is. But I also think um, that it more sort of keeps the structure of the biologic foundation um, of gender. Yeah, and earlier when you said we are assigned a sex at birth, assigning a sex is so conforming and really just goes to show how systematic and rigid our society is. Instead of it being something that you can pick or something that you can decide about as you grow, it's something that, you know, you're forced into, um when you're born and as much as we would like to think that it's easy to not conform to the things that are you know um stereotypical of your gender it's not easy it's like it's a difficult thing so I think it's kind of interesting how that's such a forced thing at birth yeah I think we really lack like a sort of education about what gender is and I think it's important to be taught what gender is and it's most important for youth um, that they know there are multiple genders and that they can be perceived how they want to be. And I just think that gender is so non-conforming and it should be how someone wants to be perceived. It's like their decision to make and the lack of education just sort of prevents them from making that decision.
Yeah, gender is basically just a set of expectations that are formed by our society, which standardizes how female and a male or female person should act. So in other words, gender is the stereotypes that people in the media and people on a more local level and in different communities form about how, how people should be using the ideas of masculinity and femininity. And it's not really based around the person's personal experience or feelings. Uh, yeah, I think gender is like all the decisions people make to be perceived the way they want to be, while sex is more the biologic form of identification. What is something you can't do without feeling like society will judge you as unmanly? What is something I can't do? Yeah, like personally. I don't know, I feel like I don't really care. A lot of the time I'll do, do things that society would consider unmanly. But, I mean... What are like the, give me some examples. Maybe like crying uh, or cry. showing your emotions. <laughs> I'm pretty emotional. Being close with guy friends. I am so close with my guy friends. Like, you want to see? <laughs> I did a bathtub <laughs> the other last week. Um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do a lot of unmanly things. I'm an unmanly guy. <laughs> um, do you feel like you have to do certain things to prove your masculinity? No, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really think about that. Maybe subconsciously. I don't know. Do you feel like you're ever competing with your friends? Oh, of course. But aren't you, no matter, regardless of gender, wouldn't you be competing with your friends? I feel like if you're competitive, I feel like I'm kind of competitive. Like, I don't think that my gender really influences that. I think I'd be competitive with my friends no matter what. What is something you can't do without feeling like society will judge you as unwomanly? Oh, wow. So many things. So many things. Um, I think it, it probably depends. Like, the things that a person can and can't do probably are a function of where they live and when they live, right? So as women living in the West in the 21st century, I think there is a lot of things we can do and not expect to receive a lot of pushback on the basis of, of gender. Um, is that all the time we have? No. Okay. Um, so I do want to acknowledge, like, I, I'm not in any way saying that, like, this, this is a bad time to be a woman. I think it's a great time to be a woman in so many ways. But I think that expressing anger is something that's hard to do as a woman um, without being seen in a negative light or cast in a negative light like people um, will call you like the b-word yeah i i don't i don't know that i've experienced that personally but i do like understand that as like a political phenomenon women in positions of power i think are sort of damned if they do and damned if they don't because if they assert their power they're sort of seen as domineering and bossy but if not they're seen as like unqualified in leadership positions so i just think that there's a lot of extra maybe scrutiny put on women in positions of power um and I don't know it's just it's also subtle at times I remember like you know being a kid and sitting you know with my legs open at a perf like performance I was wearing jeans or something and my dad being like that's not very ladylike yeah like I have that memory in my head and I'm close with my father and it's all good but just those little messages you get about what it means to be ladylike 
uh, what it means to appropriately perform one's gender. You know, I was wearing pants, why couldn't I sit however I was comfortable sitting? But it was sort of these messages you get um, in order to sort of fulfill the, the gendered expectations that society has for you, which is largely to be, you know, a good wife, a good mother, you know, a good caregiver, and etc. Like, by nature, women are very nurturing, and they're also, like, I mean, you can also say that women are submissive, mm-hmm. biologically, mm-hmm. and just going back to that part when you said that women in higher powers can be seen as dominant like that can make people that can make men feel insecure in their masculinity interesting yeah I mean I think that there I don't know this isn't like something that I've studied deeply and so I don't know I mean like there is there's statistically more women in helping professions right professions where we are in more of a caregiving role but a question that I have is like sure that might be somewhat biologically based but is that also contributed by the fact that women are conditioned to and rewarded for taking on roles of nurturing um, and roles of caregiving so yeah i think it's a bit of both nature and nurture yeah definitely um do you feel like the media has influenced your appearance appearance your emotional well-being or your feelings um the media has a influence my appearance my emotional well-being and what was the last part your feelings my feelings certainly i mean i think we live in in a time where media is part of everybody's life um and so yeah growing up i mean i'm i probably watched tv saw commercials and in some way like wanted to emulate some of what i saw in media you get so much messaging about sort of like all the products you need in order to look presentable I've highlighted my hair, I've put on foundation I didn't need, and so I think part of like growing up is like acknowledging, okay, what are these things that actually like add value to my life, and what, what am I just being sold here? You know, the, the, the beauty industry and that industry is a, I wanna say a billion dollar industry. Um, probably in the United States alone. Like, money is being made off of my insecurity and your insecurity, right? Don't get it twisted. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm constantly, not constantly, but often going back and forth in my brain. Do I want to paint my nails because I like the way it looks? Or have I just been conditioned to think that this is something that I like? So I think just having that critical perspective on why you do what you do, you can emancipate yourself a little bit into adopting the practices that that you actually enjoy, and then letting go, perhaps, of the practices that you're just taught to want to uh, partake in as part of performing your gender, right? Well, um, in class, we watched a film called Misrepresentation, and it was about, like, how women are represented in the media and the effect that it has on people, mostly young girls, and, like, how they're developing from seeing all of these like images of women and the standards that women are held to um and like one of my favorite quotes from the film was by pat mitchell and she said quote the media is the message and the messenger end quote i think this quote just like summarizes the whole message of the film saying like media is where we are blasted with these images and videos of like, the ideal beauty standard, and 
the expectations women are held at for the looks and the appearances that they should have. And the comments left by ordinary people about how women's bodies should look a certain way. And those people don't even fit their own expectations. And I think it goes both ways. I mean, guys see this too. It's just something that women deal with more often. And part of the issue is that social media is so prevalent now. In past years before, like, we all had hundreds of thousands of photos at the tips of our fingers, we would see stuff of the ideal beauty standard in magazines or ads on TV or billboards or whatever. And now we have so much content sitting in our pockets and people younger and younger and younger are getting access to this. You know, kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten years old have phones have Instagram, have Snapchat, have TikTok, and they're seeing all this stuff on a daily basis. And it just gets the idea in their head that this is how they need to look and this is how they need to act, which isn't true. Yeah, I think it's really brutal, too, when someone that identifies as a social media influencer promotes those own ideas about, like, fitting the ideal beauty standard, even if it's not, like, something that they're consciously promoting it's still detrimental to their viewers. Um, Like, you can restrict what people say and you can restrict what people see and post on the media, um, but it's not going to end this standardized beauty and this idea that there's a perfect person. And it's just so detrimental to people who haven't developed security with themselves yet, who are still growing with their thoughts and ideas and becoming a person that they want to be. But with this pressure of society, trying to tell them what they should be is just so conforming. Yeah. And I think that we also like talk about these younger kids as if we're not young kids. Like we are still impressionable people. Our age group is so heavily influenced by the media. How many people like, do you know that think that they're too ugly or they're too fat or they're too skinny or they don't look right and there's an issue with their height or their weight or their nose or whatever like it's it's not just kids in elementary school it's people in high school it's people in college it's people out of college it's moms and dads and everyday people that are feeling like this you know it's not just the young kids that we talk about so much yeah no I totally agree with you on that like we still are kids and I I hear all the time about how much people want to change themselves to fit this standardized beauty. And um, I just think that this idea that there is a perfect person leads to so much negativity. Um, And so the National Association of Anorexia Nerviosa and Associated Disorders says 42% of first to third grade girls want to be thinner and 35 to 50 percent of adolescent girls engage in crash dieting fasting self-induced vomiting diet pills or laxatives and I think it's just so sad to hear how young these girls are and we think that it's not happening happening in our community but it really is and it's something we need to be educated on and it's something that needs to be talked about yeah that's just crazy that girls that young are being influenced like this and also how the ideal beauty standard is changing so much you know in 
past years it used to be really really skinny back in the 90s and the early 2000s and then it was being really small and having a really small butt and big boobs and now it's having an hourglass body and big boobs and a big butt but still being thin and having a flat stomach and it's just it's hard for people to just change their bodies based on the trend you know it's people still need to be healthy people still need to be eating and exercising and getting all the necessary um vitamins and nutrients from their food and then also have this added pressure of conforming to this ideal beauty standard it's just not it's just so toxic and yeah. unhealthy and i don't think having a body should necessarily be a trend like you are born with the body you have and like you do the things you need to do to keep that body at its full potential whether it's eating a lot of food throughout the day or eating a little amount of food or exercising all the time or exercising a little bit like you just you do what works for you kind of yeah exactly and I think that um something that's not talked about a lot is how people sort of keep to themselves what they change about their bodies like when they edit their photos or get plastic surgery and they claim not to it sets up um a bad influence on their viewers and it makes their viewers feel like oh this influencer is perfect like I need to be like them like how do I get like them it's all natural yeah it's just and also when people begin to like judge themselves and try and think change things about themselves they're also projecting that back onto other people and they're judging other people and looking at other people with their own scrutiny that they have for themselves like girls see images in the media and deem them as beautiful and perfect and it might not be what they look like so they think of themselves as too ugly or too fat or too skinny or whatever and boys the same thing they see this and have this beauty standard that is just so unrealistic for women and they judge girls so heavily based on their appearances because they don't look like the women that they're seeing in the media. Yeah, and I think it's just so sad to watch girls bring other girls down. And even if it's totally, like, subconscious when you're judging someone because that's how society is pressuring you to think about your appearance. Like, they're trying to make you feel like you need to fit this ideal beauty and it's also bringing down people around you with the thoughts you have yeah the media just constructs this idea of the ideal beauty sense or how everyone should look for girls and women and even men and what they should look like and so it's sort of tying this back to how gender is constructed the female gender is socially constructed by the media like we get all of this information from the media whether that be social media whether that be um literary media stuff like that like it's not it's not just something that is like in your head when you're born it's something that is forced upon you in your everyday life and that you conform to because of the stuff going on around you yeah and I feel like boys have um a beauty standard as well but it's to an to a lesser extent that women have one and also men are the controllers of the media so most of what we see in the media is like hyper sexualized women yeah which like to kind of add to that it's the the idea of the male gaze which 
is kind of defined as the act of depicting women in the world in a visual sense from a masculine heterosexual perspective that represents women as objects of pleasure for the heterosexual male, which is so hard to get away from as a woman. Like you are always, you always have to be on kind of, you always have to look good. You always have to be smelling good and have like perfect, like no body hair and you like can't be anything other than exactly what they want you to be and it's hard to get away from that it's hard to like not feel like you have to conform to the idea of being like the perfect woman yeah I feel like we're very pressured as females in the society um to think that our appearance is a majority of our personality like it's what makes us who we are and it's hard to go against that construct and it just like really goes to show how heavily the female gender is constructed by men especially in the media yeah and I think also like it's not just women that have to deal with this like men have to deal with this too like it's they are exposed to this as well and it's like they also see people on the internet and see different things on the internet and they aspire to be like that but I think it's kind of to a different extent women don't hypersexualize men the way that men do it to women and so the pressure that they feel is definitely not as great as the pressure that women feel not to say that it's lesser than or not as important it's just a different thing and it's definitely less common um, in our society yeah I feel like boys are um pictured in the media as this like emotionless person who's like super egotistical and powerful and dominant and assertive and just these very hyper masculine people yeah it's it's honestly it's kind of sad like how like how often do you hear people say to each other like be a man or man up or whatever like almost as often as i hear grow a pair these phrases are so toxic and put men in these boxes that they they don't need to be in. Like, it's that's goes back to the ideas of stereotypical gender things. Like, like, this idea that men can't cry and how that's a feminine thing. And if a man cries in public, he's weak and he's not, like, a masculine guy when he's just showing emotion. Like, God forbid, God forbid a man cries in public. Yeah, that's like when Hardy said that he cries at home and he feels like secure with himself to cry in his own presence, but he doesn't feel secure enough to cry around other people. And it's sort of similar to like crying makes you weak. Yeah, I remember in when I was little, we were learning about the Holocaust in school and we watched a movie about it and we're all like sitting in the teacher's classroom and there was a part in the movie when the boys best friend um ended up dying and he finds out that the, that his best friend dies and I'm pretty soft I'm kind of mushy and so I start crying you know picturing my best friend and there's another kid in the class who's a boy who starts crying and after the class was over and everyone realized that he had been crying everyone starts like making fun of him and looking at him and being like why are you crying crying is for girls like you shouldn't be crying like that and he felt so bad about it and it was like this like horrible thing and I watched it happen like why aren't they saying stuff to me like I was crying too like what's the difference and I just that's something that's kind of always stuck with me because it's 
it's so interesting how women it's okay if a woman cries but if a man cries oh that's a totally different thing wow that's that's intense that's like it we watched a movie in class um it was called the mask you live in and it was actually created by the same team as misrepresentation i mean like the title just summarizes exactly what you just said about how boys have to live in this mask and they're not allowed to feel emotions the same way girls are or they have to prove their masculinity in order to feel like a man and do certain things and be emotionless or not be close with other guys the same way girls are. There's also totally like that stigma around guys being close friends with other guys like if they need to like talk about their feelings they can't go to their friends with a fear of being judged because they'll be unmasculine or they'll be deemed as like not being a guy because they need to go talk about their feelings which is so like it's kind of gross to think about that they have to bottle up all of their emotions because talking about them is such a taboo thing and like when we had that conversation with hardy um and he said that he's competitive with his friends, but as girls, like, he'd expect us to also have that same competition. But I feel like it's a different type of competition. Like, for girls, it's, like, good competition. Like, you got, well, maybe it's not necessarily good, but, like, it's sort of, in girl-to-girl relationships, you see it more as, like, comparing each other. Whereas boys are, like, competing to be sort of alpha um, and I also think the most common misconception about masculinity is that there isn't just one type and that there's like so many different types. <clears throat> um, in a book by CJ Pasco, um, and it's called Dude, You're a Fag, uh, she says that there's not like a single masculine role, but like instead there's multiple masculinities and it's only really understandable in in a model of multiple masculinities. So basically, there isn't one type of person that can be masculine. My name is Nick Cranston. Uh, do you think gender is influenced by anything? Um, I guess yourself. I mean, if you don't feel like you're a guy, you might switch, I guess that's the right terminology. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, that's the word. Pressure. Yeah, about like um, sort of staying in our gender roles. like Pressure from our parents to not really, like, if you were born a guy, your parents probably want you to stay a guy, but really they pressure that they have to stay yeah like if you're a boy you might feel pressured to like stay like with this social concept that masculine people are usually less emotional or like more assertive more aggressive more focused on like egotistical things less um less absorbed with their appearance sort of Have you ever felt like society has influenced your masculinity? No, I haven't really been confused about it.
I mean, yes, I feel like society has toughened me up a little bit, but it's also opened my mind to different possibilities and different feelings of other people. Do you feel like as a boy you have to perform certain acts or, like, things to sort of um, prove your masculinity? Yes, but I don't feel pressured really to do that. But there are social constructs that I feel like men are defined to, whereas you're just, like, pressured to be in that area. Yeah. What's something you feel like you can't do without society deeming you unmanly? Wearing makeup, I feel like, is a very is is defined as a very non-masculine thing to do. I feel like a lot of men feel like they they want to, but society deems that that is not masculine. Yeah, so that's and I, why no men wear makeup. Really, I think like who was the person to label makeup feminine because it's it doesn't have anything to do with gender. I mean, I guess it's just, like, people sort of picked it up. Like, women sort of picked up makeup as a way to keep up with the male expectations um, of how women should look. Like, the societal expectations of how women should look. And that, like, do you feel that there are expectations for how men should look? Um, yeah, there are things that have defined men. Like, they have to be tall you know, like, in shape and all that stuff. Yeah. But. I feel like it's to a lesser extent in which women are concerned with it. Because for women, it's sort of this defining piece of their uh, identity. And for men, it's more being assertive and aggressive. And, like, powerful and dominant. What's your name? My name is Oliver Lively. What's something you feel like you can't do without fearing that society will judge you as unmanly? I feel like asking for help when you're struggling with um, emotions and social situations can be deemed as unmanly because stereotypically men are supposed to be Um, the lone wolf and the person that can provide for themselves and others. And when you need help, a lot of men don't ask for help because it's seen as weakness. Do you feel like when you reach out for help, you can get help? No, I feel like when you well it depends on how you reach out for help because there are always people that will listen and sit down and talk and there's there i mean there's centers there's hospitals there's ways for people to go and get real help but for your average everyday problem a little bit of stress or anxiety that men have so commonly been taught just to bottle down and the old saying, you know, suck it up, buttercup, and just to bottle the emotion. When you do that incrementally, it just builds up. And that release is what is the reason why so many men and men in general are perceive, perceived to be extremely violent and volatile because they don't 
release their emotion in healthy ways by communicating and working through their problems verbally because men have extremely physical lives and everything we do from sexual wants and needs to the way we enjoy spending money it's all very physical and it's all somewhat aggressive so i think when men don't have that chance to release their thoughts and words that turns into physical violence in a lot of cases hey guys we're back yeah we back in the house so what do you think gender is like what is gender to you i feel like gender is something that is more about how you feel like there's like the saying like sex is between your legs and gender is between your ears kind of yeah so it's how you think about it and how you feel about it and not necessarily you know what you're biologically born with although i do think that sex plays a role in gender i think it's something that's more fluid depending on how you feel um and kind of like how you identify i don't know what do you think i totally agree i think gender is built off of biology and society keeps it in structure Mm -hmm. like it continues to use and maybe it's just because of like those stereotypes and gender roles um about like a female person should be feminine and have these nurturing traits and a masculine person should be dominant and have very masculine traits and I just think that there's so much pressure from society to perform the appropriate gender role. Um, in, in an essay written by Holly DeVore, she talked about how some activities that are performed by both genders, like, sort of, like, sports or, like, I mean, you like, take, like, women in STEM, like, that's not something you see very often because it's a very male-dominated field but um they those activities can be sort of categorized as either masculine or feminine and this eventually leads to you know some actions being judged as inappropriate gender role behaviors she also talks about uh like where did the gender roles come from and i she says that it all draws back to nature, and I totally agree with her, because, um, though, like, well, in some societies, you see, like, women are dominant, and, like, women were the gatherers and the hunters, but, like, men stayed at home and nurtured the children, but, like, in other societies, it's, like, women birthed the children and stayed home with the children while men went out and hunted. So I think that biological history has something to do with gender roles. She also says popular conceptions of masculinity and femininity instead revolve around hierarchical appraisals of the natural roles of males and females. I think it's kind of fascinating how gender roles are based on, like, the biological roles of males and females that we have seen throughout the evolution of man, but also... At the same time, 
um, it can also influence how someone identifies themselves. Like, I was just thinking of this when you were talking about, like, women going out to gather the food and the men staying at home with the children. Like, this idea of, like, how the mom is supposed to cook dinner for the family. Oh like, for some reason, that is just, like, something that is, like, in my brain. And I, like, I'm not trying to say I'm, like, better than anyone, like, with this, like, thing. Like, with this little podcast, because I'm not. Like, I totally have these stereotypes in my head that, like, the mom is supposed to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. For some reason, like, I don't know why, but, like, when people are like, my dad cooks dinner, I'm like, whoa. Yeah, okay. my, my dad cooks dinner, but yeah, like my mom's not around. <laughs> but, like, I just, like, for some reason, it's just, like, in my head that, like, the mom always cooks dinner. And I think it's, like, something that is from, like, that idea that of the like stay-at-home mom like from the 50s and the 60s of those women that were on tv that their only job was to stay at home and cook and clean and please their husband which is so like gross and misogynistic but i just like for some reason that's just like what's in my brain i don't know i think everybody sort of has those implicit stereotypes yeah and i think everyone's gonna be different too like not everyone thinks that the mom should cook dinner but it's just Little things like that, that, like, how I'm surprised when someone says their dad, like, cooks the meals, is just showing how, like, stereotypical and so... Well, it's not your fault that, like, you were grown up thinking that, you know, the mom should cook dinner. It's like, society pressures us to fall for these stereotypes. It It just kind of shows, like, how segregated the society is and how stereotypical it is because like just based off little things like that which doesn't seem like a big deal but when they're all compounded together it kind of is yeah i think you definitely see like the like the impact of those subconscious and maybe they're not subconscious maybe they're conscious but i think you definitely see those impact the impacts of those stereotypes in sort of like male-dominated careers when a woman is in the field yeah like people are always so surprised when a woman says like oh I'm an engineer or oh I'm a scientist or oh like all of these things that have been male-dominated for so many years and I think that that is just like yet another layer of this issue of such like gender segregation because like what's like it shouldn't be surprising that a woman has a job like that or that a man is a teacher or like that the dad is the stay-at-home parent with the children and the mom is out being the breadwinner for the family and making the money. So I think that once we're able as a society to get over those type of things, gender won't be such a big issue and such a big divider for people. It will just be something that is there but it's kind of on the back burner and it's not something that is influencing so many decisions yeah i feel like gender shouldn't have to do with literally anything like why does my gender have to do with how much i get paid why does my gender affect what i wear yeah i like that like that idea of the gender pay gap like why does it matter like if a woman can do the job just as well as a man can, or if a man can do a job just as well as the woman can, why why is there such a big discrepancy in how people are being paid? Like, just because I was born 
with a uterus and boobs doesn't mean I can get paid less exactly. than a brainless twit. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, I, it shocks me when I see the statistics about how women are making, like, 68 cents to a dollar that a man would be making. It's just, it's crazy to think that there's still issues like that. Even today, we think we're such an equal society and we're doing all these things to make sure that the workplace and schools and all these places in our communities are equal places but they're not like if you look at the numbers they're just they're not yeah and that's without going into like minority women in oh the my wage gap. exactly it's just it's crazy the amount of of oppression that's in the country that isn't even like talked about that much yeah, when you said earlier that um, you don't, it's surprising to hear that a woman is an engineer. And I think it's because well, there are studies that show that men are like better with the science and technological fields when women are shown to be better with like arts and, you know, music. Um, but I don't think that those general studies um, can appeal to every single person in society. Like, what about the people that don't af- identify as male or female? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's such a difficult topic to unpack because there's so many layers that influence each thing. And, like, it's just... It's such a widespread issue that talking about every single aspect of it is nearly impossible because there's things that we don't even know about, about issues like this that we can't speak to because we've never experienced them. We've never been through stuff like that. Um, But it's fascinating to see there's such strong discrepancies when... The society that we live in claims to be so much more equal and so progressive, even though it's not really. Yeah, I think we really lack equality in our nation. Um, but that's a whole nother topic <laughs> for a whole nother day. For another episode. Yeah. Of your favorite podcast. In Room 411. Yeah, baby. So, to sum up my ideas, biology sets the foundation for gender. But, you know, social concepts and ideas continue to keep the structure set by biology. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that um, gender is something that, although it has the ability to be non-conforming and more fluid, society kind of keeps that down and keeps that foundation um, and the stereotypes that come along with it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that's all we've got for today, guys. Thanks for sticking around. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of In Room 413. And next week, we'll be talking about whether colleges actually need ACT and SAT scores. So, yeah. Something to look forward to. Love you the most. Love you guys. Bye.